Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. From the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, September 30th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Hurricane Ian takes aim at the Carolinas as Florida deals with the devastation. Stocks begin the last day of the quarter at 22-month lows. The pound recoups all its losses after last week's tax cut announcement. And we'll tell you why shares of Nike are not doing it for investors this morning. Shock, grief, and outrage over the random stabbing death of a New York City EMS veteran. Plus, Russian President Putin will finalize annexation of Ukraine regions. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stash, Aaron Sports. The big Mets brain series begins tonight in Atlanta. Aaron Judge and the Yankees host the Orioles. NFL Bengals beat the Dolphins. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. And good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by SEI. Built on advanced technologies and 50 years of innovation, SEI offers asset managers a comprehensive and flexible operations outsourcing platform. Go to SEIC.com slash managers. And U.S. stock index futures on the rise this morning. It's 6.01 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 25 points. Dow futures up 167. NASDAQ futures up 72. And the 10-year Treasury up 22.30 seconds, yield 3.69%. Nathan. Karen, we'll get back to markets in a moment. But we want to get you the latest first on Hurricane Ian. It is a hurricane again set for landfall later today in South Carolina. President Biden's declared an emergency for the state. This woman is in Fort Myers, Florida, where Ian came in as a powerful Category 4 storm. I am the stupidest woman. I'm from Florida. I went through Andrew, Irma. I decided to stay. Did not know it was going to get to be a 4 and a 5. And President Biden says Ian could be one of the deadliest storms in Florida's history. The numbers of still are still unclear, but we're hearing early reports of what may be substantial loss of life. President Biden says he's been in touch with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. The governor says it will take time to confirm casualties, but rescuers have been busy. There have been more than 700 confirmed rescues, and there's likely uh, many more than that uh, that will be confirmed as more data comes in. Governor DeSantis says the state is trucking in supplies to those in need, but blackouts could last for days. Well, we'll keep you posted on the latest damage and disruption from this storm. But first, Nathan, we turn back to the markets. It's the last day of the third quarter, and stocks begin the session at a 22-month low. So far this quarter, $1.3 trillion has been wiped off the value of the S&P 500. And CFRA Chief Investment Strategist Sam Stovall says October could be even worse. Even though September does have a reputation of being volatile, 21% of the trading days in September typically see a 1% move either up or down, but we've had two and a half times that number this year. And if you think September's bad, just wait till October because that traditionally sees 36% more volatility than the average for the other 11 months of the year. 
CFRA Sam Stovall expects stocks to soon retest their lows. Hawkish talk from the Fed's been weighing on markets, Karen. San Francisco President Mary Daly says the central bank is committed to raising interest rates until it restores price stability. Navigating the economy toward a more sustainable path necessitates higher interest rates and a downshift in the pace of economic activity and the labor market. But for now, inducing a deep recession, the kind we had back in the 1980s, or some would even think of the Great Recession, that is not warranted. San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly says she is worried about possibly tightening policy too much. The Fed is keeping its eye on economic data, Nathan, including another report on sentiment this morning. We get September's reading from the University of Michigan at 10 a.m. Wall Street time, and we get a preview from Bloomberg's Vinnie Del Judice. The University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index has been recovering after setting a record low in June. Gasoline prices have eased somewhat. Dangers persist, though. There's talk of recession with the Federal Reserve raising interest rates to fight inflation. Moreover, Bloomberg Economics says Americans are wary of the inflation outlook with uncertainty about the cost of living running at the highest in 40 years. Vinny Del Judice, Bloomberg Daybreak. Vinny, thank you. In Europe this morning, the pound has rallied back to levels last seen before the government announced controversial tax cuts last week. Let's go to London and get the latest with Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. The pound higher for a fourth day today. This is traders speculate that the government will be forced to backtrack from its big package of unfunded tax cuts that battered the currency and bond markets earlier this week. The move caps an extremely volatile week for UK markets, which saw the dramatic intervention of the Bank of England. New Prime Minister Liz Truss is at the Conservative Party conference this weekend, and one fresh opinion poll puts her 33 points behind the opposition Labour Party. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thank you. We're also getting inflation data out of Europe this morning. For the first time ever, inflation has hit double digits in the eurozone. Consumer prices for September rose 10% from a year earlier. That topped estimates and marks the fifth straight month that euro area inflation came in above consensus. Back here in the U.S., Karen, we have some corporate news of note, including the end of an era at Facebook parent Meta. CEO Mark Zuckerberg has outlined plans to reorganize teams and reduce headcount for the first time ever. Bloomberg Technology reporter Kurt Wagner broke the news late yesterday. In some cases, you know, when uh, someone leaves a team, they're just not going to fill that role again. Some people are going to be moving from team to team. And then in some cases, they're going to be kicking out low performers, right, which is a, a pretty drastic thing that we haven't seen at Facebook in a long time or ever. And so this really just feels like a, a moment, right, this company that has been growing right. Uh, and expanding for 18 years, finally hitting a bit of a, an issue here. And Bloomberg's Kurt Wagner says Meta will likely be a smaller company in 2023 than it was this year. The shares are up 1% in early trading. Well, on the flip side, Nathan, shares of Nike are down more than 9%. The company reported a surge in inventory and is pushing through discounts that hurt profitability. Higher freight costs and foreign exchange effects are also hurting Nike. And Micron is slashing production because of a steep plunge in demand. The biggest U.S. chipmaker is forecasting quarterly sales almost $2 billion below estimates. Still, the stock is higher on news that Japan will subsidize Micron's push to produce its new advanced chips in Hiroshima. Futures this morning on the rise. S&P futures up 29 points. Dow futures up 191. And NASDAQ futures up 83. The 10-year Treasury up 24.30 seconds. Yield 3.68%. And the yield on the two-year, 4.14%. Bitcoin is at $19,500. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. 
right, Karen, thank you. 607 on Wall Street. We're 53 degrees in Central Park and dealing with two accidents on both ways on the Cross Bronx Expressway. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. A suspect is in custody in the fatal stabbing of a 61-year-old FDNY emergency medical services lieutenant. Police say she was stabbed multiple times yesterday afternoon in an unprovoked attack while on duty. New York City Mayor Eric Adams. One of our heroes, Allison Russo, a 25-year veteran of the fire department, was stabbed by an assailant. Mayor Adams says Russo was standing outside a FDNY EMS station in Queens when the violence occurred. Russo was taken to a hospital where she was pronounced dead. Russo's death sparked an outpouring of emotion and sympathy outside the hospital. NYPD Commissioner Keechan Sewell. This deadly, senseless, broad daylight attack on a uniformed EMT member is a direct assault on our society. It is the latest consequence of the violence that we relentlessly fight in our city. The suspect, a 34-year-old man, has not been charged yet. Police so far do not have a motive for the stabbing. Russian President Vladimir Putin is expected to deliver a major address at the Kremlin today, formally annexing four Ukrainian regions. This after holding what Ukraine and Western countries said were phony referendums in Russian-occupied areas. President Biden made it clear the U.S. will never recognize Russia's attempt to claim Ukrainian territory. This so-called referendum was a sham. An absolute sham. The results were manufactured in Moscow. President Biden made his comments to Pacific Island leaders at the White House. The wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas appeared before the January 6th committee investigating the Capitol riot. In the days after the 2020 election, Jenny Thomas urged the Trump White House to fight back and emailed state lawmakers asking them to help overturn the election results. The Senate voted overwhelmingly to approve an interim spending bill that would keep the government open until mid-December. The House still has to consider the legislation. Global News 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. Six oh nine on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. All right, Nathan, you can't underestimate the significance of this Mets Braves series that begins tonight in Atlanta. Though both teams are going to the playoffs, winning the division means a first round bye, setting up your rotation for the division round, and it means not having to play the Dodgers until the NLCS. Dodgers have won 108 games. Mets lead the Braves by one. They'll have Jacob Degrom on the mound tonight with Max Scherzer going tomorrow. And the Mets have called up their top prospect, 20 year old catcher Francisco Alvarez. He might be the DH tonight. Yankees home for the Orioles when Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's home run record back in 1974. He broke it in his first game after tying it. We'll see if Aaron Judge does likewise. Judge has had this remarkable season as a free agent to be. The Yankees want to re-sign him. The Yankee team president is Randy LeMay. I think he likes being a Yankee. Uh, we love having him be a Yankee. You know, being a Yankee is different than anything else. So uh, I'm hopeful. All I can tell you is Hal Steinbrenner. The entire organization, myself, Brian Cashman, we're not going to leave any stone unturned in trying to, to bring him back. Randy Levine, a guest on the Bloomberg Business of Sports, heard tonight at 7 or listen to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you get your podcast. Week 4 NFL underway with Cincinnati's 27-15 to win over Miami. Dolphins QB, Tua Tonga Viola, sacked in the second quarter. He was down for seven minutes, taken off the field on a stretcher. 
He's got head and neck injuries, spent the night at the Cincinnati Hospital, expected to be released today. Despite the storm, Chiefs Bucks Sunday night will not be moved. It'll be played in Tampa. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thank you. S&P futures right now up 31 points. Dow futures up 208 points. And NASDAQ futures are higher by 92 points now. The 10-year Treasury is up 26.30 seconds. Yield now down to 3.68%. British pound at 1.1158 against the dollar as U.K. Prime Minister Liz Truss holds an emergency meeting with her country's fiscal watchdog. We're going to get the latest on that next with Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden in London. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, clouds today, upper 60s. We'll have light rain tomorrow, mid-60s, and showers, low 60s for Sunday. Right now, 53 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. European stocks on the rise, along with government bonds, signaling a potential recovery at the end of a tumultuous week in the markets. And U.S. stock index futures, they're gaining as well, following another bruising session on Wall Street that took the S&P 500 down 2% to the lowest in almost two years and sent the tech-heavy Nasdaq tumbling almost 4%. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are higher again, up 34 points. Dow futures up 217, and Nasdaq futures up 93. The DAX in Germany is up nine-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 25.30 seconds, yield 3.68 percent. The yield on the two-year, 4.14 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up three-tenths percent, or 24 cents, at $81.47 a barrel. COMEX gold up four-tenths percent, or $6.70, at $16.75.20 an ounce. The euro, 0.9781 against the dollar. British pound, one. 1.1123 and the yen 144.48 and looking at bitcoin this morning up a tenth of a percent at $19,500. Today we are watching for reports on personal income and spending out at 8:30 Wall Street time at 10 it's consumer sentiment and that's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Ian, now a hurricane again is threatening to carve a new path of destruction through South Carolina today when it roars ashore north of Charleston. Forecast say the storm will drive a surge of water into the city of three to six feet. Government officials say Russian President Vladimir Putin will officially annex four occupied regions of Ukraine at a formal signing ceremony today. The U.N. Secretary General condemned Russia's action, saying it has no legal value and must not be accepted. In baseball, the Yankees host the Orioles tonight. Aaron Judge would go for 62 homers, passing Roger Maris's AL record. Last night, the Red Sox beat the Orioles 5-3. The A's lost. The Giants won. Thursday night football, the Bengals beat the Dolphins 27-15. Global news 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. We're coming up to 620. On Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. We've been taking a look at the British pound this morning. We want to focus on U.K. politics now. Prime Minister Liz Truss is under growing pressure from her own conservative party after just a few weeks in office, after coming out with that tax cut plan that, to say the very least, has roiled markets. Joining us now from our London headquarters, 
Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden. Lizzie, good morning. The uh, prime minister and her economic team have just had a meeting with the UK's fiscal watchdog on that tax cut plan. What do we know about what's come out of that so far? Well, I have to say, you can't understate how unusual it is for the Prime Minister to have a meeting like this. There have been in-person meetings when a new Chancellor or uh, Office for Budget Responsibility Chairman is appointed, so it's not unusual for the Chancellor to be having this meeting. But there are no records of the Prime Minister joining any of the budget rounds over the past six years, so that in itself is odd. There had been a debate raging on Twitter uh, about what the intention was. Were they trying to weigh on the independent forecaster? Are they going cap in hand to the OBR to try and get back some of the credibility with markets? Because, of course, it was the lack of the forecast that partly offended markets about the budget. What we know coming out of this meeting uh, is that the Treasury isn't changing its fiscal plan after this meeting. And the uh, fiscal watchdog says that its forecast when it comes is going to be based on its independent judgment uh, of the economic and fiscal prospects and the and, and the impact of the government's policies in its own words. So the OBR very much standing firm that it is not going to be weighed on by the government. Well, what does this mean, Lizzie, for the new UK Prime Minister's tax cut plan? There's been a lot of uh, worry about that, a lot of speculation that it's going to add even further to inflation. But uh, at least in the public comments, Prime Minister Truss doesn't sound like she's backing down from this idea. Not at all. It's Truss, Kwarteng and the Trade Secretary, Kemi Badenoch, uh, dug into their positions about this uh, fiscal plan yesterday, all saying that these tax cuts are going to boost growth. Um, there's a private WhatsApp group of Tory MPs, though, and one of our colleagues uh, at Bloomberg has seen the messages of Kwarteng pleading with Tory MPs, saying, we need your support to do all this as the only people who win if we, dis- if we divide is the Labour Party, so begging them to get behind him. But what we're also hearing is that some of these Tory MPs are begging for uh, Kwarteng to quit just to give Liz Truss the political cover so that she can U-turn on the tax cuts because they have gone down so badly politically and with markets. Wow, really interesting to get that behind-the-scenes look at what's happening in the Conservative Party. What are we expecting to come out publicly with the Conservatives holding a party conference this weekend. Liz Truss can't be feeling good going into that. No, and even worse, she'll be feeling because of this poll that was published in the Times by YouGov last night, uh, showing that the Labour Party's now got a 33-point lead. It's the biggest poll lead of any UK political party in 20 years. Again, it's it's a response to the budget. Uh, And you've also got some of the political heavyweights like Rishi Sunak, the former Chancellor, who of course ran against Liz Truss to be Prime Minister, sitting it out, uh, not attending. And uh, he says it's so that he can give trust space, he's going to stay in his constituency, but uh, a coincidence, isn't it, that lots of his allies are also going to be avoiding the conference. What I hear is that they simply cannot face doing broadcast media interviews uh, oh. where they have to defend these policies. Only about 30 seconds left here, Lizzie, but a big question. Is Liz Truss living on borrowed time right now? <laughs> Well, technically, she, as a new prime minister, should have 12 months safe from a vote of confidence. But uh, the Tory party likes to stay in power. So what Tories say to me is that the rules can easily change.
Well, Tories like to stay in power. That sums things up, doesn't it? Liz, Lizzie Burden, as always, great to speak with you ahead of this uh, party conference that's happening this weekend and following this emergency meeting where the prime minister herself appeared alongside her new chancellor uh, with this emergency meeting at number 10 Downing Street. Bloomberg Daybreak Europe is going to be live from the Tory conference on Monday. You're definitely going to want to tune in for that to see what's happening with the new government in the UK. Looking at uh, futures this morning, they're moving higher. S&P futures are up 28 points. Dow futures up 182. NASDAQ futures on the rise by 80 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 24, 30 seconds. The yield, 3.68%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Clouds today, upper 60s. We'll be in the mid-60s with light rain tomorrow. Showers on Sunday, low 60s. Right now, 53 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager. We're about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by IBKR. Investment advisors switch to interactive brokers for lowest cost global trading and turnkey custody solutions. No ticket charges and no conflicts of your interests at IBKR.com slash RIA. Up first, Hurricane Ian is due for a second landfall today north of Charleston, South Carolina. President Biden has declared an emergency for the entire state. South Carolina Carolina Governor Henry McMaster is urging residents to get ready. Call your family, call your loved ones, tell them where you're going to be. Uh, let, let them know that so they won't be worrying about you. Meantime, the cleanup and recovery in Florida is just getting started. Governor Ron DeSantis says first responders have performed more than 700 rescues. There's not been in these rescue efforts, um, you know, deceased people found as of yet. Now, that may change, of course. And Governor DeSantis says the power outages in southwest Florida could be lengthy. Well, as for the markets, Nathan, U.S. futures are higher as we close out the trading week. Yesterday, the S&P 500 closed at a 22-month low. Joanne Feeney is a portfolio manager at Advisors Capital Management. You have to look back at history and recognize that the market sells off the most, right, tend to, be, tend to do that before recessions begin, and they right. tend to start to recover before we even know officially that we've had a recession. And so for a long enough term investor, I mean a year, two years, three years, there are some pretty good opportunities out there. But one has to be able to stomach the volatility, which doesn't look like it's going to go away anytime soon. Joanne Feeney with Advisors Capital Management says $1.3 trillion has been wiped off the value of the S&P 500 this quarter. Shares of Nike are down more than 9% in early trading, Karen. The sportswear company reported inventory has surged and it's had to push through discounts that hurt profitability. Higher freight costs, markdowns, and foreign exchange effects hit Nike's gross margin in the latest quarter. And Micron slashing production because of a steep plunge in demand, Nathan. The biggest U.S. chipmaker is forecasting quarterly sales that are almost $2 billion below estimates. But the stock is higher this morning on news that Japan will subsidize Micron's push to produce its new advanced chips in Hiroshima. 
And that's the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Futures this morning are higher. S&P futures up 30 points. Dow futures up 201. NASDAQ futures up 87. The DAX in Germany is up three quarters of a percent. Ten-year treasury up 24.30 seconds. The yield 3.68 percent. Yield on the two-year 4.14 percent. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. All right, thank you, Karen. It is 5.33 on Wall Street. We're at 53 degrees in Central Park. we got an accident on the outbound lower level of the George Washington Bridge. We'll tell you about it in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. A suspect is in custody in the fatal stabbing of a 61-year-old FDNY emergency medical services lieutenant. Police say Allison Russo was stabbed yesterday afternoon in a random attack while on duty, standing outside a FDNY EMS station in Queens. Russo was rushed to a hospital where she was pronounced dead. New York Mayor Eric Adams. She was working for this city. She played, paid the ultimate sacrifice because of that. Russo's death sparked an outpouring of emotion and sympathy outside the hospital with lots of tears and hugs. Laura Cavanaugh is the acting FDNY commissioner. Lieutenant Russo exemplified FDNY EMS. She served the city for 25 years. She was a World Trade Center first responder. She was cited multiple times for her bravery and her life-saving work. The suspect, a 34-year-old man, has not been charged yet. An official says a Russian strike on the Ukrainian city of Zaporizhia killed at least 23 people and wounded dozens. It happened just hours before Moscow planned to annex more of Ukraine in an escalation of the seven-month war. President Biden called Russia's so-called referendum aimed at annexing Ukrainian land an absolute sham. The United States, I want to be very clear about this, the United States will never, never, never recognize Russia's claims on Ukraine sovereign territory. President Biden made his comments speaking to Pacific Island leaders at the White House. The wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas appeared before the January 6th committee investigating the Capitol riot. Jenny Thomas answered questions behind closed doors for four hours. In the days after the 2020 election, she urged the Trump White House to fight back and emailed state lawmakers asking them to help overturn the election results. Committee Chairman Benny Thompson said that she answered some of the questions that were put before her. Her lawyer later came out and said she answered all the questions. After two years of modest declines, data from the CDC shows suicides in the U.S. increased 4% from 2020 to 2021. The largest increase was for males 15 to 24 years old, which climbed 8%. After seven years as host, Trevor Noah announced last night that he will leave The Daily Show. Weird thing to say. Never been good at, uh, at goodbyes. And it's not instant. I'm not disappearing. Don't worry. If I owe you money, I'll still pay you. Comedy Central says there is no timetable for his departure. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. 6.36 on Wall Street. John Stanshower has a Bloomberg Sports Update. Thanks, Nathan. For several months now, the Mets have been trying to hold off the Atlanta Braves this weekend. will determine whether they can continue to. Mets hold a one-game lead 
One win in this three-game series gives them the tiebreaker. Mets change their rotation. They move Jacob DeGrom to tonight. He actually comes off a bad outing. Max Scherzer goes tomorrow. Storm apparently has gone through Atlanta. The weather for the series should be okay. Yankees host the Orioles. Aaron Judge tied Roger Maris. Now tries to surpass him. Roger Maris Jr., has been attending all of Judge's recent games. I actually get to meet you know, Aaron's mom, coming here to sit with her. That was a lot of fun getting to know her, getting to know a little bit about the family, and uh, you know, getting to kind of see why Aaron carries himself the way he does, because obviously getting to meet her, uh, spending some time with her, you can kind of see that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. As great as Judge's season has been there, some who feel Shohei Otani should win a second straight MVP. His fourth in the league in home runs and second in wins. Last night, Otani won his 15, struck out 10. He took a no-hitter to the eighth inning. The Brewers and Phillies battling for the last NL wildcard spot. They both lost. The Phillies have lost five in a row, 10 of the last 13. They stay a half game ahead. Last Sunday, Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa looked wobbly like he had a head injury. Only missed three snaps. Said later it wasn't his head but his back. The union wanted an investigation as to why he was allowed to continue to play, and they may want another one. Tua cleared to play again last night in Cincinnati, this time a definite head injury, and perhaps his neck as well. Taken off the field on a stretcher, taken to the hospital. He has was then released. He did fly home with the team. Miami had the lead in the fourth quarter, but the Bengals rallied and won 27-15. to The Dolphins' first loss at least Philadelphia as the NFL's lone unbeaten. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John, thanks. So it's almost five, or it's almost 6.38 on Wall Street, I should say. It's time to take a look at stocks, some of the names moving in the pre-market. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg Markets Live Editor, Heather Burke. And, of course, Heather, one of the biggest laggards this morning is Nike after those very disappointing earnings. Yeah, definitely. I mean, their inventory surged, and it was forced to push through market-busting discounts that hurt their profitability. Um, so it was the higher freight costs, markdowns, and foreign exchange effects. Um, so the gross margin of 44.3% was below Wall Street expectations. And Nike also downgraded its outlook for the full year. So the shares are down um, like about 9% in pre-market trading. And European rivals such as Adidas and Puma have also been hurt. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely we're going to see some downgrades come through. I would be sure today. Yeah, I will continue watching those and uh, some of the competitors as well in the sports apparel space. How about this other big corporate story that we got yesterday about uh, Facebook parent Meta Platforms cutting jobs for the first time? Yeah, so it dropped 3.7% yesterday. It looks like it might be trying to come back a bit pre-market. And interestingly, ExxonMobil overtook it in market value for the first time since early 2017. But what Meta's doing, Zuckerberg, uh, CEO Mark Zuckerberg outlined plans to reorganize and reduce headcounts for the first time ever. It would be the first major budget cut since Facebook's founding in 2004. So he said that Meta's probably going to be smaller in 2023 than it was this year. And uh, how are the shares doing this morning on that news? Yeah, it looks like they're trying to come back a little bit, but we'll see. You know how how uh, volatile big tech is yeah. this week. Yeah, certainly has. And uh, staying in the tech space, uh, we got uh, earnings as well from Micron Technologies. How are things looking in the chip sector? Yeah, so Micron actually had a pretty uh, dismal report. It's it's slashing production to cope with a steep plunge in demand. Um, quarterly it forecast quarterly sales that were nearly two billion below Wall Street estimates. That being said, it's 
up about 2.9% in pre-market trading. Analysts saying the ongoing inventory correction was just short-term, and there's a sign that maybe semiconductor stocks have taken have bottomed if sentiment is going to get better. All right, Bloomberg Markets Live editor Heather Burke keeping an eye on the early trade for us this morning. Heather, thanks for this. And as we look at stocks as a whole, as we get ready for the final open of the third quarter, Futures are moving higher. S&P futures up 29 points. Dow futures up 195. And NASDAQ futures on the rise by 81 points. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly cloudy, upper 60s today. We'll have light rain tomorrow as we start to feel Ian. Mid-60s Saturday, low 60s Sunday. Right now, 53 in Central Park. Headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. Good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. Futures are on the rise this morning. We go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call, and here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are on the green after yesterday's plunge with Dow futures up 143 points. S&P's gained 23, while NASDAQ futures are up by 64. The U.S. 10-yield falls to 3.68%. Gold is higher by 5. Oil is climbing. Bitcoin is trading little changed. Japan fell 1.8% overnight while European markets are in the green this morning. And back in the U.S. on the economic front at 8.30, PCE, personal income and personal spending at 9.45, Chicago PMI and at 10 o'clock, Michigan sentiment. After the bell tonight, Nike reported is down 10% in the pre-market and Micron EPS beat estimates. Regarding earnings this morning, a carnival report in the pre-market and wrapping things up, Nike's price target was cut by at least seven firms. Live from the first breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg-type squawk on your terminal, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael? Karen, thank you very much. A revived Hurricane Ian is bearing down on South Carolina's coast and the historic city of Charleston with forecasters predicting a storm surge and floods. Earlier, Ian caused catastrophic damage in Florida, leaving people trapped in flooded homes and causing several deaths. Vladimir Putin will sign documents formalizing Russia's annexation of four occupied regions in Ukraine in a show of defiance. Ukraine, the U.S. and allies call the so-called referendums a sham. In baseball, the Yankees host the Orioles tonight. Aaron Judge would go for home run number 62, passing Roger Maris's AL record. Last night, the Red Sox beat the Orioles 5-3. The A's lost. The Giants won. Thursday night football, the Bengals beat the Dolphins 27-15. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Karen. Hey, Michael, thank you. It is 649 on Wall Street. We turn to news and science and technology now with a Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Here's us making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. New York Governor Kathy Hochul says the state will follow California in requiring all new vehicles sold by 2035 to be zero emissions. Hochul first announced New York's 2035 deadline in September 2021, but the state could not begin implementation until California finalized its own ban. China's bracing for more disruption during a week-long break as the government tightens controls to contain COVID outbreaks before the Communist Party's top leaders meet in Beijing for a crucial political meeting. According to 
government data, passenger trips by road are expected to plunge by about 30 percent from a year ago during the national day break. Prices of air tickets for the period are lower compared to last year, and travelers are taking shorter journeys. And NASA's Juno spacecraft has made the closest approach to Jupiter's tantalizing icy moon Europa in more than 20 years. Juno zipped within approximately 219 miles of Europa, thought to have an ocean flowing beneath its thick frozen crust, raising the possibility of underwater life. Scientists hailed the flyby as a success, with four pictures beamed down and released within several hours. That's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. Okay, Karen, thank you. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, where it's 6.50 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in our nation's capital include President. President Biden declaring an emergency in South Carolina as Florida begins its recovery from Hurricane Ian. Pacific Island nations signing a historic partnership agreement with the U.S. Republican-led states suing over President Biden's student debt plan. And Ginny Thomas, the wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, telling the House January 6th committee the 2020 election was flawed. Let's get more on some of these stories now. We're joined live by Greg Vallier, chief U.S. policy strategist at AGF Investments. Greg, it's great to speak with you this morning, but obviously the conditions are far from great. Well to the south, Florida is in serious recovery mode, and it has been very interesting. Interesting to see the response politically to this storm between the president and Florida Governor DeSantis. It is interesting. Uh, great to be with you. Uh, good morning, Nathan. I, I think that uh, the two of them are going to have to bury the hatchet and get along for a while. You know, ironically, DeSantis, when he was in the House, voted against aid for Sandy. And now, of course, he's governor of a state that's been devastated and he wants a lot of aid and he'll get it. How much coordination do you expect to continue between the president and the governor of Florida? This storm obviously is going to be heading to the Carolinas as well. Yeah, I, I think the cooperation will be pretty impressive. Uh, there's a lot of rebuilding to do. And I, I pointed out to some people yesterday, history would show with Hurricane Andrew and other huge storms that in the short run, this actually adds to economic growth. You've got to hire workers. You've got to build new houses. You actually increase economic growth by maybe two or three-tenths of a percent on GDP. But obviously, this is still a great tragedy. And I know you focus a lot on the politics as well. I'm thinking back to Superstorm Sandy when we saw uh, Governor Chris Christie sort of bury the hatchet with then-President Obama as well. Are you looking at parallels there? Could be. You know, Christie got some criticism from uh, conservatives in his own party. You know, maybe uh, it's possible DeSantis will as well. But I, I think right now, at least for the next week or two, the political considerations will be secondary. All right. Let's uh, turn on to or turn over to uh, some of the other stories happening in Washington, D.C. The president had this uh, first of its kind uh, summit with the leaders of Pacific Island nations. Uh, what's the focus there? I think it's part of the chess game in that part of the world with China, uh, U.S. trying to get some advantage. I think the U.S. is going to put a lot of pressure on China, maybe India as well, to lean on Putin. And to try to tell Putin that this is this has got to come to a close, I think both Modi and uh, Xi in China uh, are inclined to put some heat on Putin. 
Now, we heard the president put some heat on Putin as well during that meeting yesterday, saying that the U.S. will never recognize the referendum votes that are expected to be certified in Russia today in those uh, regions now under uh, Russian occupation in Ukraine. What could this mean for U.S. policy going forward in the war in Ukraine? Well, I think we're going to send them a lot more arms. We just got a budget deal to avoid a government shutdown tonight. That deal was expected, but in, in there is about $12 billion more in spending for Ukraine. And if they need more, they'll get more. Uh, there, there are some people in Congress who are getting tired of spending this amount of money, but I think the majority will spend more. Yeah, I was curious whether you expect that kind of spending to continue after the November midterms. If Republicans do take control of the House, at least, will there continue to be a blank check for Ukraine after the after the November midterms? Maybe not, Nathan. I think that's going to be an interesting angle that there are people who are feeling that this amount of spending is too excessive. If you get Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. I think the Republicans are going to clamp down on spending. There's only going to be one area where spending will really increase, and that's defense. But in terms of a lot more money from Ukraine, I think it'll be more contentious. And how about the budget uh, strategy going forward? We're, uh, as you mentioned, going to get a, a stopgap bill that is likely to be passed uh, in the House later today. Are we going to continue on with this cycle of stopgap after stopgap, kicking the can down the road, I think is the phrase they often use in Washington? Or are we going to get longer-term spending anytime soon? No, I think it's a rich tradition that we uh, have this, <laughs> this, this dysfunctional policy of doing a stopgap when the fiscal year ends, and it'll end at midnight tonight, and it'll go till December 16th, and then there'll be another stopgap for another week or so. It's, it's a hell of a way to run a railroad, but I think that's going to persist for a while. In our last minute here, Greg, the other big story coming out of Washington is the uh, testimony or at least the conversation between the House January 6th committee and Justice Thomas's wife, Jenny Thomas. How do you expect that to potentially affect the hearing that we're expecting to happen at some point, this uh, fall hearing of the January 6th committee? Yeah, I, I don't I don't see her in any big legal problem. Maybe it's a public relations problem for her. But I, I do think the committee's got at least one more hearing to go, um, maybe another during the winter. But uh, as far as Jenny Thomas, you know, she's part of the whole politicized system we have here, and that's not going to end. And what are you expecting uh, in terms of what's going to come out of the January 6th committee? There have been so many hearings, a lot of attention on it. Is it going to lead to anything of substance? Well, the big issue, of course, is whether the attorney general uh, will indict. I think the committee wants him to indict. They're going to give him evidence to indict. But do you indict a former president? That's still a very, very contentious issue. A former president who's very strongly hinting at making another run for the presidency. As always, Greg Vallier, thanks for joining us uh, this morning. Really appreciate it. Greg Vallier is the uh, chief U.S. policy strategist at AGF Investments. And you can read more about these stories on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. And as always, you can uh, get the very latest from Washington, D.C. by listening to Bloomberg Radio on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 in the nation's capital. Looking ahead to the final market open of September 2022. 
Futures are moving higher. S&P futures up 16 points. Dow futures up 103. NASDAQ futures are higher by 41 points. And the 10-year Treasury is up 25, 30 seconds. Yield 3.68%. Bloomberg surveillance is next. For Karen Moscow, I'm Nathan Hager, and this is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.